What's up, fight fans? Welcome to episode four of the Deadlock Podcast. I'm so excited. I'm kicking my thing here, knocking my camera all over the damn place. How's everybody doing this afternoon? Lock, my guy. Another two weeks have rolled on by. We got another show for the people. How you doing, buddy? I'm good, man. Uh, we we're talking before the show. You're like, it feels like we just did the show the other week. And I'm like, it feels like it's been forever since we've done the show. But uh, I love jumping into this uh, seat with you and obviously doing this uh, DLP show with you as well. I love it. I'm sure the fans love it as well. And I feel like we're finally getting into that groove, man. It feels right. great. Hit that stride. Make sure we uh, get used to it. I feel like we're hitting the groove myself. I love it, man. Hey, shout out to everybody already in the chat, hanging out, watching us live this evening. Thank you all so much for joining us. Quick little announcement slash reminder for everybody who's checking out the show. This is it, folks. This is the last episode that we're doing of the DLP here on my guy, Manpreet's channel after this week we are migrating full-time over to the dead lock podcast youtube page so we've got our own youtube channel set up make sure you subscribe over there turn those notifications on because from now on whenever we're doing those blast notifications all future podcast shows stuff like that it's all going to be over there so this is it no more on locks channel uh permanently migrating over and uh it's, uh that's exciting yeah, pretty much that that was a plan from the jump, but we actually wanted to get as many numbers over there as possible before we migrated. Uh, the links to all the DLP stuff is in the description below. The, the channel, Twitter, Instagram, all that stuff. Make sure you guys go subscribe and follow over there so that you guys don't miss it when we flip on over there in March. Perfect, man. All right. So, hey, before we get into all the fight stuff, we got to, you know, just as usual, what's been up with you for the last two weeks? Anything newer, exciting in the life of Manpreet outside of the MMA sphere? Nothing crazy, right? There, there's obviously the, the whole uh trucker convoy that's happening up here in toronto or not in toronto but oh, yeah. at least in canada uh it's on in ottawa mainly which is where it's really kind of clogging things up there's been a lot of riffraff going on i don't want to get this into the whole covid situation and mandates and all that type of stuff but that's kind of just been dominating the news uh over the last little bit but there was something that i've been thinking about for a couple years now that i thought like i've never really voiced it to anybody other than my wife so i thought what better way to do it than with my guy clint here so First and foremost, I'm going to ask you this question. Have you ever been in a car accident? Yes. Yeah, I've been in a couple, actually. Like like bad, like we're talking go to the hospital or cars write-off type of thing? Like any anything crazy? You know, I've actually been lucky enough that every single accident I've been in has been relatively minor. Um, I was in a pretty bad one when I was a kid, but I was like seven or eight years old. So, of course, your bones are basically spaghetti noodles at that age. And I yeah. didn't really feel it for much longer than uh, right after the accident. So nothing serious on my end, thankfully. Yeah, thankfully, same on my end. But uh, there was one where... Uh, it, it was kind of like somebody, some guy was trying to make a left turn. Uh, the guy thought he had enough time to do it. Uh, the car coming the other way hit him and then reared off and hit me. And I was just, Oof. you know, a complete bystander uh, in terms of in my car, just waiting to make a turn, but just waiting for these guys to pass by. And the one thing that kind of like crossed my mind was something that cars, I believe, should have that they don't really have is brake lights on the front. We only have brake lights on the back. Right. Mm. So like for situations like when you're trying to make a left turn or, you know, when the rights, the lights turning yellow and you don't know if the person who's coming uh, oncoming is either stopping or going straight through the lights. Why don't we have brake lights at the front? 
Like, why hasn't that kind of, I feel like that would help a lot in terms of accidents and nullifying the amount that we actually have. You know, I think it'd almost be distracting to anybody in front of you. Like, you'd be like getting flashed every time the guy behind you was like stomping on their brakes to slow down. That could be uh, a hazard more than a help. Maybe, but we already got like bright lights coming our way, signals That's and all true. that type of stuff. Adding another red light to the front of it would be like, okay, that guy's stopping. It is safe for me to now go across the oncoming lane and not have to worry about getting smashed to bits. I don't know. I'm sure they've thought about it. Again, the the, the vehicular industry or the auto industry is very uh, ahead of their time. Uh, but uh, I'm sure that's come up in a boardroom somewhere and they've nixed it for some reason. I just under, I just don't know why. Uh, I feel as though it's a great safety measure that people can take. But uh, again, that's yeah, just maybe my... you're onto something, man. Yeah, exactly. That was my baked brain like three <laughs> years ago to like, hey, maybe this is a million dollar idea. And look, somebody watching this DLP podcast is going to go out there and email Tesla or something. <laughs> hey, I had this idea. <laughs> and then I'm going to lose on all camera, millions man. of dollars. Get those royalties. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Exactly. But yeah, in terms of like personal life stuff, nothing's really going on, man. Uh, again, it's just a grind now. We're in the thick of the UFC schedule, eight straight events since uh, the, the Strickland and uh, Hermanson card. So no real time to really do much, man. Just just grinding, tape studying, recording, dropping content. You know the gig. I hear you, man. Same story yeah. over here. Got uh, got my ass handed to me on a silver platter last weekend. So deep in the grind, looking for a comeback. Still uh yeah, it's still got that that sore ass on my side of things. So the, our next topic that we should just dive straight on into because it's far more interesting than my ass, I promise you, is my new OnlyFans. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> what we've got next is uh, we're going to talk about Adesanya and Whitaker. Speaking of last weekend, man, Texas, Texas judging, man. What are these guys all about? We've got that Whitaker and Adesanya decision. And in fact, a couple of our people in the chat We've already got a couple yeah. of guys that are siding with the Reaper. I've seen several comments in here already, like shout out Mbe saying Robert two, four, and five. Super look is uh, agreeing two, four, five. So Locke, I really want to know how did you score the main event, and do you think Adesanya still deserves that belt wrapped around his waist? So I, I did a fight companion with uh, my guy AJ MMA experts, and I was a little intoxicated watching the fight, and I after. Adesanya As dropped him be. in that first round. Exactly. <laughs> uh, after Adesanya dropped him in that first round, I kind of just thought that moving forward, it was more than likely just going to be Adesanya inching his way, uh, you know, ahead at the end of every single round. And uh, I kind of, you know, live, I only gave Robert Whitaker round two. And even that was a toss up in my opinion. But after seeing some of the outroar on social media and all that, and even MMA decisions where I believe the majority of fans have actually scored the fight for Robert Whitaker, me and my boy AJ decided to do a live rewatch pretty much right after the event uh, went off. We knew the first round was obviously Adesanya. Drops him, mm -hmm. secures the round, no way fans or butts. Then we watch rounds two, three, four, and five. Round two, I lean with Robert Whitaker. Round three, Israel Adesanya. And then round four and round five, which two judges actually scored for Robert Whitaker, I agreed with. They were the round five was kind of close, but I thought there was enough happening for Robert Whitaker in rounds four and five that he deserved to do it or deserved uh, the, the edge there. Right. Mm -hmm. Adesanya was throwing a lot of kicks and I get it, but I don't think that there was anything significant in those rounds, you know, other than the, the takedowns, which ultimately didn't really pan out much for Robert Whitaker, right? He didn't get much control time other than when he was able to hop on the back of Adesanya. Uh, but the jabs that he was landing, the one-twos that he was landing when blitzing forward really seemed to pop the head back of Adesanya. And I thought that was 
solid damage compared to what Adesanya was doing in return. Now, the calf kicks of Adesanya were very effective, obviously, but they were sprinkled throughout the fight. It wasn't like he had one crazy round where he was just beating that lead leg of Robert Whitaker up. He was just doing it throughout the fight. Whereas Robert Whitaker, I felt like he was doing more damage just based off of the, the blitzing attacks that he was doing um, uh, going forward and then obviously mixing it up with the takedowns as well. 48-47 is kind of the way that I scored it for Whitaker, 2-4-5, and five, but I'm absolutely okay with one three and i believe it was two or the first yeah the first three rounds for adesanya 49 or 48 47 either way not a robbery sure izzy can walk away with the belt and before i pass on over to you if anybody in the comment section or even you clint i will come through this this screen and beat the shit out of you if you say you gotta beat the chap to be the chap you say that shit, I will beat the shit out. I will fly to Arizona right now and beat you to a pulp if you say something like that. Because we know that is just absolute bullshit. It's just a cop-out for anybody that doesn't want to actually score the fight. You don't have to beat the champ to be the champ. You got to win at least three rounds out of five if a fight goes to a tw full 25 minutes or you knock out the uh, your opponent or submit, whatever it may be. But I got a 48-47 Whitaker. Completely understand 48-47 Adesanya. How did you have this one? Man, uh, so much like you, you know, you said that you were uh, intoxicated and had to do a, an immediate rewatch. I was having my worst betting night in a long time, and that's saying something, coming off of the two, you know, first two cards of the year where I took L's too. Um, I was sweating and biting my nails, praying for an over, and round one was about the most terrifying thing I ever could have seen. So I was legitimately watching the clock more than I was watching the fight when it was happening originally. <laughs> now, from that perspective... I thought that it was 4-1 rounds for Izzy. That was my initial take on it. Now, I have not gone back and done a rewatch, so I need to pay much closer attention. But from what I have seen is that three of those rounds were extremely close and extremely competitive. And it comes down to, again, as we see in MMA constantly, through the eyes of the beholder, man, what do you score as being more effective? So from where I'm sitting... 4-1, Izzy, 3-2, Izzy, or 3-2 for Whitaker are all acceptable scorecards. And when you get into that kind of a situation, there's only one guy you can make the argument 4-1 for, and that's Israel Adesanya. I know you say that you hate the got to beat the champ to be the champ thing. I get that. That's kind of my fallback. If I'm like, hey, if it's questionable, if it's close, can we argue four rounds to one for Robert Whitaker? I don't think you can. So it's either 20, you know, it's either three to two one way, three to two the other way. But I mean, Izzy could have got four one. So it, to me, it was close. I think you can argue it both sides. I think Israel Adesanya probably deserves to still have his hand raised at the end of the day, but it was very close. It was very competitive and uh, one that I'm going to need to go back and rewatch because like I said, I was I was terrified that night. I was not watching the action with the sharpest eye. <laughs> I get that. I get that now. Shout out our guy Mark Andrade in the comment section. I want to completely admit, I did not see your comment in terms of saying you got to beat the champ to be the champ. It was just already <laughs> in my mind. So it was not a slate at you, but apparently it is a slate at you now considering that you're actually saying that. Uh, but yeah, uh, I, I get it. Close fights could have gone either way. The thing that I'm most excited about in terms of the fallout of this fight 
is the fact that it was somewhat of a controversial decision means that Bobby Knuckles could eventually find himself in a third fight with Adesanya down the road, right? This isn't the one-sided ass whooping that everybody expected it to be, thinking that Adesanya was going to be able to knock out Robert Whitaker once again. Not every fight plays out the same. We've seen it in the Davison Figueredo and uh, Brandon Moreno trilogy at this point in time. We're seeing it here as well, especially with Whitaker, in my eyes, the number two middleweight in the world right now. But uh, I think if he strings together another couple wins, finds himself right back in the discussion. I'd love to, to watch that fight, fight again, man, if I'm again. being honest. It was a good tactical fight, right? Like it was, it was fun. I wish there was more significant moments outside of that one knockdown that Adesanya was able to get at the end of round one. But again, tactical. Uh, I liked how it played out. Uh, Whitaker's wrestling looked good in terms of being able to get him to the ground. But uh, Adesanya's get-ups are just insane. The guy's like a cat, immediately right back to all fours and then back up to his feet. Uh, you you should have seen me losing my shit when Whitaker got his back and when uh, Adesanya st- stood up and he like. Whipped his arm over and it looked like he almost had the choke, but it was like completely off. And then Adesani was obviously able to get out of it. But in terms of the actual fallout of this, right, we had another very interesting middleweight scrap earlier on the card. Uh, pretty much a number one contender fight between Jared Cannonier and Derek Brunson. Very heated uh, all week in terms of people picking Blonde Brunson and people picking Cannonier. On the flip side, Cannonier ends up coming out with his hand raised. And uh, since moving to middleweight, his only loss was to Robert Whitaker in a fight where he broke his arm on the first kick that Whitaker was uh, through in that fight and then still went another 14 minutes with one of the best middleweights in the world. Adesanya even said after the Paulo Costa fight, Jared Cannonier's next if he beats Robert Whitaker. Unfortunately, he fumbled a bag, as Adesanya said. And uh, luckily for him, Cannonier has been able to put together two wins now. Calvin Gaslam back in August. Uh, and then obviously Derek Brunson, who, who likely would have gotten a title shot himself had he gotten his hand raised. So I'm I'm down with Cannonier getting the next shot here, right? Uh, Adesanya seems to already be saying he wants to fight him in June or July. He was on the MMA Hour today with Ariel Hawani saying that's the next guy. Would you agree with that? Would, would you say Cannonier is next? Or do you think that Strickland or somebody else has made a better case for themselves? Oh, Cannoneer is absolutely next. I mean, Sean Strickland, he's exciting. He's lighting Twitter on fire these days with his hot takes, his batshit crazy talk. But uh, at the end of the day, he's still relatively new to the contender circle. I would like to see him face another one of these top five type of guys before we throw him into the title shot. Give me give me a Paulo Costa fight. Give me a Marvin Vittori fight. Like, let us see that he actually can operate up here with the big boys before we throw him in there for the title shot. Whereas Jared Cannonier, he's made his circles. You know what I mean? He's made the rounds up there at the top, had a win some, lose some type of situation. But after Rob, there's really nobody for Izzy. And we don't want another rematch. Like, trust me, I like rematches. I love when a guy gets a chance to tweak their game and come back better, stronger, and have that opportunity. But that's all Izzy's been doing lately. Let's have a fresh matchup. Like Izzy said, fresh meat. I think Jared Cannonier absolutely deserves it. And with the age of the guy, I know that's not something that you can necessarily always justify for like title shots and stuff, but it's now or never. You know, we don't want Jared Cannonier to start to fade off. We don't want him to start to slow down. We don't want that power to disappear by saying, you know what, get, get two more fights and then we'll give you the title shot and see how you look when you're, you know, 42 years old getting that shot. Now, now's the time. Give it to him. Let's see it. I think it will be more competitive than more pe- most people are making it seem, right? Uh, afterwards, I saw a lot of people saying, oh, Cannonier stands no chance. Even a couple of people in the comment section saying that right now as well. I think it will be a little bit closer than people expected, just as people expected Izzy to go out there and mollywop uh, Robert Whitaker once again. That was not the case. We got to give Cannonier a little bit of respect. I will say this. 
I had a pretty hefty wager on Kananir myself that night. I pooped a little after he got dropped by Brunson at the end of that first round. I thought, if anything, Brunson's success would be with the grappling. But we know he can still crack. And the fact that he dropped Kananir with the beautiful shot, ooh, I was sweating. I was right there with you. And like I said, I had a historically bad night betting and I have a history betting against Derek Brunson. I told everybody as soon as I locked in the Cannoneer bet, I was like, go ahead, cash your tickets. Like you're, this is a free winner. Cause I cannot beat this man. So when that happened, I just, it was that moment where I sit there and the song starts playing. Hello, darkness, my <laughs> old friend. I was like, Oh God, it's like, here we go again. So yeah. I was very happy that he was able to weather the storm. And honestly, man, I think, uh, I think Cannoneer is like Yoel Romero 2.0. Like he hits as hard, he's as physically strong, but he moves more. He actually goes out there and does stuff. So I don't think Israel Adesanya is going to get away with leg kicking five times and winning around against a guy like Cannoneer. It should actually be a really damn good fight. I'm excited for that one. And uh, the way Jared's been fighting at his age, I I'm about to go buy some crystals. <laughs> exactly. I'm not sure if you saw my post on Twitter uh, the day after. I went to the museum with my with the wife for Valentine's Day, and uh, they had like a whole crystal exibit. And I, just, I did uh, see up, that, uh, <laughs> giving my praise and and thanks to the the Jared Cannonier Shrine. Uh, but yeah, Strickland is definitely up there. I think he deserves a guy like the Tory or or Costa or something like that. And that should maybe be the next number one contender spot. And even Izzy, when talking about uh, Strickland on uh, on the MMA Hour today, he's like. Uh, we have plans for him. And I think mm. he was just saying that he kind of controls the top five to top seven, saying I can get these guys to go fight whoever the fuck I need them to, to prove that they deserve a title shot. So yeah, I I'm down with Strickland going out there and getting uh, another fight before he actually deserves a title shot himself. But that wasn't the only fight that night, uh, or th that wasn't the only division competing that night, because in the Coleman event slot, we had a slugfest between two heavy hitters and Derek Lewis and Tai Tuivasa uh, played out a little bit, you know, uh, cautious early in that fight, but then it really started to heat up as things start to get down the stretch. And then obviously we saw Tai Tuivasa land a beautiful elbow to drop uh, Derek Lewis. Actually, after he had rocked him a couple times. Uh, did Derek Lewis take a dive? Nah. <laughs> nah. I can't believe I saw some of that craziness uh, trending on my, on my timeline. Uh, but yeah, there's no way Derek Lewis takes a dive in his hometown. I believe no that way. would be his second straight loss in Houston. No way he wants to go out like that in front of his folks. Tai Tuivasa deserved that win, got that win, and knocked out Derek Lewis out cold. Something we haven't seen in nearly nine years. Like I said, the last time I think we saw him out cold or close to out cold like that was against Matt Mitrione way back in the day. But Tai Tuivasa was able to lay him out. How'd you, what were your thoughts regarding that fight? Absolute insanity, man. This is a spot that I, I picked Eric Lewis some time ago to go ahead and pull off this fight. And I think the Black Beast, what he's turned into is just something way more than anybody expected him to be. So for him to get to the point that he's at right now and then tie to Avasa, his last couple opponents have not been fantastic. You know, he has not been fighting top tier competition for him to leapfrog all the way up to a guy like Derek Lewis and then put him away the way that he did was like, oh my God, like Taito Avasa is legit. Like he is, he is basically a better version of Derek Lewis. He's more athletic. He's more aggressive and he's got a hell of a chin on him to take the punishment that he did. And honestly, Ty is more dangerous 
when he's hurt, it seems like lately when you get the guy wobbly, his power goes through the roof. He just turns it back on you, and that elbow was gorgeous, man. Uh, absolutely floored by his performance. Ty is a guy that I was ready to sell on and basically be like, he's never going to be a contender. He's always going to be your fun hangout and play type of fighter. Everyone's going to love to watch him do the shoey every other fight, but he's never really going to get there. Holy shit, he might get there. Like, give me Ty to Avasa versus Cyril Gunn. Let's go. <laughs> I will say this before we continue on into in terms of what the fallout out uh, is for the heavyweight division, but I don't know anybody that can eat those shots on the way up that Tai Tuivasa was eating from Derek Lewis after he got him down and he was working his way back up to the feet. Derek Lewis was unloading on him with those shots as Tai Tuivasa was starting to stand back up. And Nobody he just ate those. him like Tic Tacs and then eventually came back and eventually got the knockout himself. So uh, in terms of the follow here, now he finds himself in the number three spot. There's only two guys ahead of him, Stipe Miocic and Sarah Ghan, and then obviously the champ, Francis Ngannou, who seems to be on the shelf for a pretty long time now, considering that he has to have uh, ACL or MCL uh, surgery, and they'll likely have him out to the end of the year. So we got a couple other big uh, heavyweight matchups coming up throughout uh, the next couple months. Uh, Curtis Blades is taking on Chris Dawkins in late March. Uh, those guys... Uh, I believe are ranked in the top uh, seven, eight-ish as well. Uh, you got Rosenstrike number seven going up against Marjorie Tybura number nine. Uh, that's going down in April. And then obviously we got Alexander Volkov number six going up against number 11, Tom Aspinall in March. Where do we put Tai Tuivasa? Where, 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 do you, where would you insert him? Do you, do you think he still needs one more fight to get a title shot? Or do you think that we can just insert him into a possible interim title fight against Phil Gunn here? What are your thoughts? I mean, unfortunately, I think he's going to have to have another fight because realistically, John Jones is going to be the guy that steps in and takes over everything. They're already talking about putting another interim strap on the line. You know, we know the whole situation with the UFC versus Ngannou. John Jones making his long-awaited appearance at heavyweight. They're going to find the next guy in line. So it's either going to be Jones versus Stipe or it's going to be Jones versus Gone for that interim strap again. And they're going to put more pressure on Francis Ngannou in the negotiations at that point. He's kind of the odd man out, Taituavasa, unfortunately. And that's why I'm saying whoever Jones doesn't take, give Ty the other guy. You know, if we end up doing John Jones versus Stipe, then let's go Taituavasa, Cyril Gone. You know, flip it the other way around. If we do Gone versus Jones, then give Stipe to Taituavasa. Let's let's just kind of keep him up there in that top range. Cause yeah, man, there's a couple big up and comers, you know, Tom Aspinall. Chris Dawkins, my guy Volkov, you know I love Volkov, but he's still got a way to work before he's ready for that top-tier competition. Ty finds himself in this no-man's land where he just cracked off the number three guy, but he's still not there yet. Yeah, he skyrockets from 11 to number three after knocking out Crazy. Derek Lewis here. Uh, shout out to our guy Aomak in the comments section saying, uh, Tui Vasa should fight the winner of Blades versus Dawkins, and I'm on board with that. You know what I mean? I don't that, mind that's, that. Like we said, I believe that's uh, number... Uh, sorry, I don't even have the rankings up here. But uh, again, top eight ranked guys there. Uh, and I think that uh, that's a main event. Whoever he fights based off the winner of that fight, that will be another main event. And that could likely set him up for a potential title shot or interim title shot, whatever the hell it may be. I'm hoping they do a Cyril Gaon versus uh, Jones for the interim title. I get it if they kind of want to keep Gaon out of that conversation considering he's been fighting for the title and just lost, he was just lost there. it as well. Stipe and Jones make sense as well, but we those are the two most mysterious guys in, in the in that heavyweight and light heavyweight division, right? Because we haven't seen them fight for a while. Obviously, Stipe hasn't been in the cage since he got knocked out by Francis Ngannou. I believe that was 2020. 
Am I am I mistaken there, or that was that 2021? But it feels That's like forever ago. Right? It feels like forever. <laughs> exactly. And then John Jones, we haven't seen for exactly two years now uh, because he fought in February of uh, 2020, right before COVID hit, and he was able to pick up that win over Dominic Reyes. That win over Dominic Reyes, but uh, <laughs> uh, regardless, uh, yeah, in, yeah. <laughs> interesting days in the heavyweight division, man. I never thought we'd see Ty Tuivasa, especially after losing to Sergey Spivak, find himself as a top three heavyweight ahead of guys like Curtis Blades and uh, and Alexander Volkov. Right? What the fuck? It's are awesome, we doing? honestly really fun right now, man. Heavyweights in a good spot. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, yeah, Tuivasa. Give me him against any of those top seven guys. I specifically like what El Max said, though. Blades versus Darkest winner. Let's line him up against Tuivasa, and that will likely give them a, a solid path to the heavyweight strap. For sure, man. Let's do it. Hey, so we got to kind of move the pace along a little bit. We've been taking a bit long on some of these topics, but we do just want to touch back on that good old-fashioned Texas judging. Uh, we got ah. King Casey <laughs> Versus Roxanne Modafferi, one judge scored that fight for Roxy. And then Arlovsky versus Jared Vandera. Now, funnily enough, I had both dogs in these fights. So I was perfectly happy to get split decision calls on them. And uh, I think you can actually make a case for the Jared Vandera fight personally. Uh, but the Roxanne Modafferi one, even as somebody who put money on her, I don't think she deserved to be the winner of that fight whatsoever. Uh, I was a little frustrated with that fight, Locke, because Roxanne Montefiore is somebody who comes out to grapple, decided she wanted to throw down for her last fight in the UFC. Can't say I blame her. It's her last time under the big lights. Wanted to put a show on. Good for her. I would not have bet on her if I knew she wasn't going to be implementing a grappling heavy game. But I don't think there's any argument to be had that she beat Casey in that fight. And like I said, I had money on her. <laughs> Yeah, uh, like the only thing I could think that that one judge saw in the first round, which I believe O'Neal doubled her up on strikes in that round, but O'Neal was the one wearing the damage, right? That that was yeah. the difference in that fight. And even though she didn't get hit as much as she was hitting Roxy, that maybe is what Mr. Robert Alexander saw. And he was the obviously uh, interesting or, or that weird judge uh, who judged back-to-back -back fights that night, right? It was that yeah. fight. And then the next fight against Vendera. And I remember being in my Discord uh, saying, oh, you know, it, it, this fight with uh, Jared, which is, uh, I had a bet on that fight too. Um, I would need a, a, a bad judge to give me this fight for Vandera to actually get his nod. And then it turns out that uh, they even said on the commentary that the same judge was judging that fight. I'm like, oh shit, let me Here we hope go. that there's <laughs> another bad judge out there as well. And we can get two of these judges to give this fight to Vandera. But uh, yeah, uh, I thought Casey O'Neill did a great job in terms of her strikes. Again, I think she set a uh, record for most thrown or most attempted strikes in a women's fight. So hats off to her going out there and fighting the way that she needed to, especially considering how Roxy was coming out in that fight. Like you said, if you had known that she was going to go out there and try to kickbox with her for 15 minutes, you would not be making that bet. You expect her to go out there and clinch. You expect her to go out there and get the takedowns, and she did and neither of that. Easy the takedown yeah. came when she went for it. I'm so mad, Locke. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> it was there. It was on the plate for her to take. She did not take it. And uh, again, a lot of the Roxy backers are going to catch a lot of flack from uh, people that were saying O'Neal was easy money, but you got to have some sort of leeway considering the approach that Roxy took in that fight. And then in the Vandera fight, I thought Vandera got him into perfect positions, caught off the cage well, was moving well. 
just never threw anything. When he got him in those positions, he just waited too long. And then Arlovsky blitz forward, lands a, a one shot, and then pivots off and gets back into the center of the cage. That's what won him that fight until Vandera started letting it go in round three. And it could have been that easy for him had he done it in rounds one and round two. Which is so weird, Locke, because again, I had a bet like you on Vandera. That's the guy we've seen the last couple of fights. He's been letting it go. He's had that pace. He's been going for it. I honestly think he was starstruck. I think that, you know, after that fight, he came out and he was like, hey, the, you know, uh, he took a picture with Andre Arlovsky. He's like, I've been looking up to this guy my whole life. And, the, you know, he made that whole speech. You hate to hear that when you've got a bet on that guy. You hate to hear that when you've got a bet on them because, yeah, rounds one and two, he probably didn't want to hurt that guy. And it took him until round three to wake up and go, oh, shit, I'm about to lose half my paycheck. Realistically, round one was Andre Arlovsky. Round two, statistically, Jared Vandera outstruck Andre Arlovsky, but it was close, and the optics favored Andre Arlovsky. It was the leg kicks and the clinch time versus those big right hands. And then when you get to round three, that was clear Vandera. So in my opinion, we actually had a one and three situation where it all came down to how you judged round two. I think that you can make an excusable argument for Vandera to have won that fight. I myself, with money on Jared Vandera, Scored at 29-28 for Andre Arlovsky. Just because of the optics, it didn't look good for my guy Van Dara getting popped in the face like that by Andre Arlovsky. If he had just stepped it up one little bit, I think we get the nod there, Locke. And that's a bet that I would go back and make again. Yeah, exactly. Everything that we knew before that fight is the reason why we made the bet. Shout out to you. I think you got plus 165, which is a great fucking line. I got plus 140 myself, Ugh. and I thought it was a great line, but it's what it is. He doesn't go out there line value and lock. perform. When, when you're uh, stuck holding that trophy because you got the good number, but you didn't actually catch the ticket. It's, uh. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> uh, before we move on to the next topic here, I do want to just quickly... Uh, uh, not shout out, but call out that judge, Robert Alexander. Apparently, he is actually a rocket scientist. He's worked for NASA in the past, and apparently, rocket scientist has nothing to do with judging MMA. And the fact that he had, uh, the fact that he had uh, this being his fourth and fifth fights that he's ever judged ever is an atrocity. That makes no sense. You should have a minimum of a, of at least a hundred fights. 100 fights that you've judged on the regional scene, amateur fights, whatever the hell it might be, you can't be having your fourth and fifth assignment on a big stage like a UFC pay-per-view. That makes really no strange. sense to me. There's so much regional MMA going on. Why can't this guy go judge some of those, get some reps and get some rounds in, maybe get his work critiqued a little bit? I'm sure he got his work hella critiqued after this event, but you can't be having your fourth and fifth assignment on the job at UFC 271. That makes that was that was ridiculous. So yeah, uh, hopefully he doesn't get to get in there until at least another two or three years, or at least another hundred fights under his belt before he starts judging these high level belts. All right, let's move on to the next topic here. Big big news coming out of the Bobby Green camp in terms of him just posting a picture of him versus Connor. And then it just says, interesting. I believe that was what it, exactly he said there. And I know you put out a very juicy tweet that has gotten a ton of engagement and a Today's ton of traction. <laughs> of course, I'm sure your, your, your mentions and your notifications should be popping the fuck off right now. But I will quickly give you my thoughts in terms of what I think about that. I, I think it's a great fight. It is the perfect fight for Connor to come back to in terms of fighting an unranked guy who will make a fight very... Uh, competitive and fun and people would want to see it's about time bobby green gets his due right it, not saying that 
he deserves to get like Jorge Masvidal money or anything like that. But he's at that point in his career where he's been a journeyman for so long. Now let's give him him th that extra push because he can build a fight. He can talk shit. Oh, yeah. He has personality. And he has the fighting style to go out there and give Conor the fight that he wants. So it produces, you know, the entertainment. Maybe some pay-per-view buys. But uh, again, Conor can sell anything if he fights a fucking pet rock or something like that, right? You can put anything <laughs> across the cage room and that is going to sell something. But I think Bobby Green is the perfect guy. Not a huge, you know, he's not fighting the upper echelon of the lightweight division. He's not fighting the Dustin Poirier's again, the Charles Oliveira's, the Justin Gaethje's. Conor needs to take a step back especially coming off that horrific injury that he had in the in the last Dustin Poirier fight, and take on a guy like Bobby Green. I'm down. I am honestly down. Now, please nice. make your case for uh, the tweet that you made earlier today. <laughs> First off, count me the hell in, man. We saw the last time Connor needed a tune-up fight. They gave him uh, Cowboy Cerrone. We saw, you know what I mean? That's exactly what they're going to look to do here in this spot. There's no way after what happened last time that he can jump straight back into the deep end. I know he's saying that title shot's mine and all, you know, Connor shenanigans. But realistically, he needs a fight that he can come back to safely and not that i think bobby green is by any means a safe fight but he's a guy that's not going to kick him in the shin so there is that <laughs> now one thing that uh i think is as sports betters you know we always talk about the number man it's gonna we're gonna have to see what kind of number we would get but i completely agree with you i think bobby green is someone who's marketable he's hot right now he's the type of guy that could build a fight with conor mcgregor conor could take the insulting approach of he's not even in the top 10 and like there would be a lot of back and forth banter that would be really fun but bobby green is also the worst stylistic matchup for conor mcgregor besides a wrestling heavy khabib type because he's going to give conor the fight that he wants and that's going to be a standing fight where they go toe-to-toe -to -toe with their hands but what bobby does is those shoulder rolls, baby. Connor's going to have a hard time landing that left hand when Bobby out there doing this bad thing. So <laughs> Connor's going to be swinging at air. And you know what we've seen time and time again, Locke? We have seen Connor McGregor gas out. That man is not the same when he is tired. Imagine, imagine what Bobby Green did to Rafael Fazeev in round three. You think Connor McGregor is going to still be standing? after my guy Bobby King Green puts a hundred up on his face. I promise you, I promise you, if they make Conor McGregor versus Bobby Green, Conor McGregor is getting TKO'd in that fight. He is not the same man that he once was. He will come back. Bobby Green will announce to the world that he's ready for the top five. It's a big step down for conor mcgregor in competition and i know it's a step up for bobby green in competition but rafael faziv is legitimately one of the most deadly strikers on the planet look at what he just did to brad riddell and bobby green was able to take everything he had came back even stronger and put a pace on in round three bobby green ko it's happening I like it. I like it. Well, what's that? What's that move you're doing? Show me that move once one more time. One more time. That shoulder roll. There we go. You, I'm you, trying to stay you, close to the camera and my microphone <laughs> without like knocking my whole desk off. So I, you know, my, <laughs> uh, my, me, folks, uh, that is not how you do a shoulder row in boxing. <laughs> well, one of my, uh, one of the guys I used to work with back in the day, uh, head coach boxing, RG Ryan Grant from uh, Grant's MMA up here in Toronto. He calls that the Friday night. 
I mean, that's the Friday night trying to stay on, uh, stay moving, keep your shoulder rolling, try to get out of the way of the shots of, like your point, uh, of your opponents while trying to get all the bitches. That's what RG used to call it back in the day. So you're kind of giving me some uh, some flashbacks <laughs> in regards to that. Yeah, um, I, I saw my guy Cole Shelton, shout out to Cole in the, in the chat here, saying that Connor will more than likely just see to get a title shot or a big name. So another way that we could possibly make this fight happen, let's try to do Bobby Green versus Nate Diaz. Maybe if he's able to get the W there, gets the Nate Diaz rub, then eventually could assert himself into that Connor fight. But yeah, I, I completely get it. From, from a business standpoint, it makes no sense for Connor to take this fight. But from a, a competition standpoint, it's better to throw him in there against a guy like Bobby Green than it is to throw him in there against a guy like Justin Gaethje or like the names that we rattled off before, the, the top three, top five guys in that division. Again, Bobby Green's not even ranked. So we'll see i'm down with it we'll see how it plans out and uh yeah i just want to see connor back in the cage let's just get him in there i, I think he's fully healed i see him uh, training i see him doing all this stuff let's see if he can finally get a contract signed and get his back and get his ass back inside the cage agreed man agreed it's always fun to just get those guys that really move the needle back in there for us but uh speaking of moving the needle we got another big fight announcement, Locke, one that I am super pumped on. Yeah, year Rodriguez taking on Brian Ortega. You gotta think that this is a number one contenders type of matchup, right? Two guys that have been reaching for that belt and just ever so slightly fallen short. Now they're matching each other up. I mean, yeah, year Rodriguez really impressed striking in his last fight. We saw what Brian Ortega did with his title shot. Damn near tapped out the champ. I mean... He was live in that fight multiple times for a finish. Now these guys get matched up, kind of striker versus grappler. We know they both have been working on the other piece of their game. What a fight, man. I, I think this is excellent matchmaking. The time is right. It makes sense for where they both are in the division. This is a fantastic fight. Yeah, I, I'm right there, too. We got number three, Yair, against number two, Brian Ortega. Uh, it's not confirmed yet 100%, but it seems like that's the direction that they're moving in. Uh, and, yeah, I kind of agree with you that it could be a potential number one contender fight, but the the outlier is obviously uh, Max Holloway, right? He kind of wants to be that that guy just waiting to step in for uh, Korean Zombie should Korean Zombie pull out. So he's ready to go. And I think he will more than likely get the title shot uh, after that uh, featherweight scrap in uh, I believe that's going down in April. So there number will one be contender in waiting. <laughs> number one contender in waiting, pretty much. Yeah, exactly. The other guy that's kind of just a, a bit of an outlier as well is Calvin Cater, right? Comes off a, a tremendous performance against Giga Chikadze last month. Uh, I think he should fight the loser of the title fight. I think he should fight either Volkanovski or uh, a Korean Zombie, and that should eventually set him up for uh, something bigger and brighter at the ending of this year. But in terms of Ortega and Yair, great fight. Do you have any type of pre-fight, pre pre-announcement lean in that spot? I am the biggest Yair Rodriguez hater you're going to find on the internet, Locke. I hate that guy's face. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, straight off the bat, I am all Team Ortega. Uh, about to go and get my uh, lip tattooed with his name on it so I can match them and, and fit right in with the happy couple over there. No, I think, uh, I think the improvements that Ortega have made on the feet are going to keep this thing relatively close. Obviously, uh, we know that Yair Rodriguez is a high-caliber striker. I think he still has the advantage on the feet. But from what we saw in Yair Rodriguez's past, whenever that fight hit the mat, he was still a fish out of water, man. And Ortega is by far the most dangerous grappler he's ever matched up with. I would be leaning to Ortega myself in this fight. What about you? 
I'd actually lean on the Rodriguez side again, pre-tape, not really thinking about anything, but if he's able to keep the fight standing, which I think he should, uh, he should be able to touch up uh, Brian Ortega. I think people are getting a little bit of a false sense of confidence in Ortega's striking from the Korean zombie fight when I believe it's on good record that he was very concussed after that second round uh, and was really not the same for the remainder of the fight, which is where Brian Ortega was able to take advantage, pretty much outstriking him in those spots. But then we saw him going out there against a legitimate opponent, Volkanovski, was not concussed and Volkanovski put him through the absolute ringer that night um I think uh, Yair could potentially do the same on the feet here uh it all just depends on if Ortega is going to be able to drag this to the ground I'm not 100 sure yeah, Ortega is going to climb that kid like a tree <laughs> maybe maybe <laughs> maybe but I know Rodriguez gained a lot of fans and a lot of respect in his fight against Max Holloway where he came in as like a plus 450 underdog but still managed to have some decent work in there didn't get finished made it a lot closer than people expected it to be and if he's able to keep it standing again, I, I think he could take Ortega's at home. Who knows? I think it's going to be a hell of a fight, man. That's one that I got to wait and see, you know, a line before I do anything betting wise. Uh, I kind of like that we're on opposite sides pre-tape, just kind of thinking through the whole situation. But uh, yeah, that should be fun, man. I can't wait to watch that one. That can headline a card any day. I'll pay for that. I'm in. <laughs> All right, man. So I think our next, Next spot that we are moving to is everybody's favorite segment, Fighter Stonks. All right. If you are new to the Deadlock podcast, first off, we got 50 live viewers. Thank you all so much for hanging out with us tonight. I think that's the highest live number we've had since we started the show. Guys, do us a favor and smash that like button so we can get the word out for everybody else watching. Please, we appreciate it. But with Fighter Stonks, what Locke and I are doing is we have partnered up with Prediction Strike. Make sure you head on over to predictionstrike.com and use deposit code LOCK for a free fighter stock when you sign up at deposit it basically acts like a literal fighter stock market and what Locke and i are doing is competing over the course of any significant amount of time whoever makes the most profit buying and selling fighter shares just like the stock market wins a competition and unless i'm mistaken the loser of that competition you know what actually i'm mixing up my contest here lock the uh <laughs> the other contest we're running is the uh the power Dead hour right cool. what was the what was the downside for losing this one did we decide yet i don't think we have i think we'll just kind of okay. monitor as the as the year goes on and then near the ending of the year we're trying to figure something out we already got so many competitions going on somebody's right. getting very much shit-faced if they keep losing <laughs> so we'll, we'll see how that goes down but yeah for now in terms of stakes for this let's just have some fun with it and see at the end of the year where we're uh where we're sitting at Right? Okay, all right. So we don't have a, a punishment selected just yet, but I'm sure we'll come up with something. Leon, what's up, buddy? I see you in the chat. So for everybody, this is Prediction Strike, and we are... Whoops, I hit the wrong button there. I'm keep our pretty faces here on the screen. So it acts just like a normal stock market. Like I said, the rules of the contest, Locke and I have each started with $50 a piece. We buy and sell fighter shares as we see fit and see who comes out on top. What I'm looking to do, if you may have noticed, Ooh, is go ahead and purchase <laughs> one share of Jonathan Pierce. We got a good matchup coming up this weekend. He is relatively cheap at $1.39. So I'm going to go ahead and buy myself a share of JSP. Now, there is 
one more fighter stonk that I would like to go ahead and add to my team over here. Whoops, that's not the one, Ooh. even though that's not a bad. Uh, uh, you bitch, you son of a god. Uh, I'm going to buy some Patty Pimblet. You bastard. <laughs> And the funny thing, Locke, is that I was purchasing Patty Pimblet almost to just kind of mess with you because I know you were fading him when we started the show. I was like, you know what? I'm going to go full heel turn here and buy him just so I can go head to head with your prediction there on Patty Pimblet. But as you can see, his stock has been very progressively rising here. So I think I'm getting in at a good spot because it's only going to go up from here. I'm I'm so pissed off that you did the panic on the thing because that was going to be my angle today. I was going to be like, I know he's fighting Kazula Vargas in a couple of weeks. If he continues to get favorable matchups, that stock is going to continue to rise. And yep. then you just wait for him to get matched up against a bad stylistic uh, opponent. And then you dump that shit. And I'm guessing that's exactly what you're going to be looking to do here. Hold on to that stonk until it rises its, to its peak and then get rid of that. That's exactly what I was going to do. So I do still have one more guy that I wanted to end up buying. So I'll share my screen here with you guys as well. Uh, ba -ba 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 -ba. Prediction strike. There we go. I'll quickly show off my... Uh, my portfolio right now as well uh shout out to jared cannoneer who's been going up he's gone about gone up about 25 percent since i purchased him especially due to that win that he was able to secure over Derek brunson this past weekend that's exactly that's what i was hoping job. for i will wait until uh they announce that fight with israel adesanya excuse me before i decide whether i want to hold on to him or if I want to get rid of him. So, uh, yeah, there was my uh, jump up on Jared Cannonier. There's also been some jump on Manon Fiorot, who's raised about 25%, 24% uh, since I purchased her. Uh, she's going up against Jessica I, I believe, at UFC 272 in March. Uh, I will keep her through that, as I believe she starts with Jessica I that night, and we should see her price increase as well. Uh, a couple other spots. I have Armand Sarukin, obviously, coming up to fight uh, Joel Alvarez. I believe that's next weekend. Nasser Dinimovov fighting in April. Uh, Hamza Chumayev seems to be going down. I'm not entirely sure why. I've lost about 3% on him since I purchased him. Uh, but I'm sure once he get his fight, gets his fight booked, which I think is going to be Gilbert Burns, we should see that price start to rise once again. And if he's able to get his hand raised that night, I think that we'll see that price rise as well. Uh, Magomed Ankalaev has been pretty much stagnant, not even a percent uh, gain, but uh, we know he's fighting Thiago Santos in March as well. We, I'm expecting a significant increase after he gets that W as well. But since you took Patty Pimblett, there's only one guy that I could think of taking still who's fighting in the next two weeks, and he's actually fighting this weekend. My guy Gabriel Benitez, he sits at $1 right now. I'm going to take one stock on him here, again, as per the rules Ooh. that we've kind of set out on the, on our, uh, for this for this game. Uh, only one stock that we can buy per fighter and then sell and buy from there. I'm going with a dollar on Gabriel Benitez. I think he beats David Onama this week, and I think we see a little bit of a rise in the stock. I may look to uh, pump and dump him because, uh, you know, it's all styles. It's all matchups. I may pump and dump him, or I might just uh, wait to see who his next opponent is going to be and decide whether I want to keep it after that. So I am buying Gabriel Benitez this week. And if you guys want to buy your own fighter stock as well, or stonks, like the way they like we like to call it, make sure you guys go to Prediction Strike, use the promo code LOCK, and they will match. Uh, sorry, they'll give you a free fighter stock with an initial deposit of 20 bucks or more. Trust me, you guys are going to love it. It's the stock market for sports. They have MMA. Yep. They have, uh, I believe, MLB. Uh, sorry, they have NFL. NFL. 
uh, yeah, NFL, NBA, uh, and MMA is what they currently have right now. And they are going to be adding more sports as well. So if that interests you, make sure you guys check it out. They are legit. I promise you, they are legit. They are still somewhat in the pioneer stage, but I believe that they're going to grow up and uh, really smash it this year, especially with how much they're really marketing themselves now. So make sure you guys go check them out. Prediction Strike, use promo code LOCK. Free Fire Stock that promo for 20 bucks. Exactly. Let them know that the uh, DLP army is alive and well amongst their ranks. Now, Block, real quick before we move on to the next segment, there is one more stock that I would oh, like to no! make a purchase in. I'm going to go head to head. Straight head to head with you, you son of a bitch. And I'm going to buy some <laughs> David Onama. I'm going to push this contest into overdrive because you're picking. Mowgli Benitez, one of us is having a stonk rise and the other one's falling this week, baby. Let's go. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. I like it. Head to head on the on the stock market right there. <laughs> Let's see how this one pans out. I love to see it, my man. All right. That is going to be a wrap on fighter stonks. Let's get into one of my favorite segments of the week. Let's get into the Daily Doofus. <laughs> It is the Daily Doofus or the Weekly Doofus. I don't know what people want to call it because we do the show every two weeks. But uh, this one, I'm actually going to move uh, slightly backwards. Uh, I believe it was last week or two weeks ago, actually, that we got this statement from one Trishon Gore saying that he is going to go out there and be double champ even before stepping into the cage for the first time ever. The man was 3-0, coming off a pretty bad ACL surgery or knee surgery injury, comes back believes he's the rightful ultimate fighter winner and then he goes out there and fumbles the bag losing to brian battle in his ufc debut but goddamn, his his level of confidence or cockiness depending on how you want to view it was way too high for the type of resume that that guy had at that time sure you need confidence going into the ufc i get it but you can't be making proclamations that you're going to go out there and be the double champ even before you step into the cage for the first time the guy goes out there gets dummied well, not dummy. He loses a decent fight uh, to Brian Battle there, but the the confidence all week from that guy, from the from the weigh-ins to the the press conference to walking into the cage, all of that stuff. The guy was. It seemed like he was more so dazed by the bright lights that were around him, and he was just sucking it in way too much. And then obviously ended up coming out on the short end against Brian Battle. He's my daily doofus strictly for the reason that. You can't be calling double champ status even before you have your first fight in the UFC. Please, come on, dog. I like him. I think he's a good dude. That deserves a daily doofus, in my opinion. How about yourself? That's uh, that's a fair take there, Locke. I like that one. My daily doofus is going to go to none other than Matt Danger Schnell. Because for the love of God, <laughs> can we just see him fight Perez? Locke, I am so over breaking down this fight us podcasters us betters we have talked about this fight for what seems like two straight years now they've been they've been set up and scheduled to fight each other four different times match Nell practically died on the scales the last time around and we just cannot make this fight happen but for whatever reason they keep rescheduling the damn thing i had an opportunity to put this damn thing to rest a week or two ago, and Perez misses by two pounds. Two pounds, Locke, which in MMA, I know I know it's well within a fighter's right to not accept the fight when their opponent has a perceived advantage, 
But on the scale of MMA fights, two pounds is not a lot. And we've seen a lot of other fights go on with much more egregious weight misses. Just that night, a man fought 12 pounds overweight, Locke. <laughs> Matchnell declined that fight. I'm over it. I'm sick of it. Matt Schnell gets my daily doofus award because we all could have enjoyed a fight. We all could have gotten the payday. We all could have had a good time, but now we're back to the drawing board. And if they book this fight again, so help me God, Dana White will be my next daily doofus. Clint, I, I don't know if I can break this fight down for a fifth time. I, I, I can't do it. I don't know if I can do it. Fuck. It's, <sighs> it, I almost skipped it. This last time, Locke, I was I literally said I was like, I've, I've broken this thing down like four times already. I, there's not anything left to say. You already know my opinion on it, unless it's your first time watching the show. Like, I'm I'm over it. I can't do it anymore. I'm done. I think I'm just going to put Alex Perez via murder and then just move on to the next fight. I'm not bothering breaking down this shit anymore. Everybody, even the people that consume our content, they've heard it four other times. That's right. I'm sure they don't want to hear it for a fifth time. Hopefully they don't even book these guys together anymore so we can stop talking about this goddamn matchup. But if they do, you guys already know what to expect from me and Clint. Half-assed is what we're going to be doing for those matchups. Right. It'll be the quickest breakdown on the slate. There you go. <laughs> it's over. There That's you it. Go. You already heard it. So there goes our daily doofuses for this episode, Lock. Our next segment is uh, the all-important Deadlock Duel. So just a quick recap of the deadlock duel for everybody. Locke and I are giving picks the main event of every single fight and then one any other fight on the main card. You get one point for picking a favorite that comes out victorious. You get two points if you pick an underdog that pulls off the straight upset. Our last round of picks, my guy Manpreet had Sean Strickland who came through and then Allen, I believe. This last card, you had Whitaker and Cannoneer. So you got three out of four on those picks. Oh, I'm sorry. You went two and two there. Alan didn't quite get there. My bad. Uh, and then I had Strickland, Battle, Adesanya, and Lewis. I went three and one with the all-important underdog of Brian Battle coming through. So I have taken a 7-6 lead on the contest here, Locke. I'm pretty excited about leading here on this bad boy. I, seeing you do a power hour, I think, is going to be highly entertaining for me. So I, that's I, I, where we are currently standing. How do you feel about your last couple picks? <laughs> well, I will say this. If I had first dibs, I would have taken Brian Battle myself, and I would have had that one-point lead. But <laughs> here I am one point behind. And, uh, yeah, trying to find some underdogs over these next couple of cards is going to be very difficult. But I'm going to need to hit on an underdog or hope that one of your favorites ends up shitting the bed. And I'm able to either tie it up or pull ahead here. We do have uh, how many of our events? One, two, three, four, uh, five, six more events for this uh, duration, the initial season, if that's what you want to call it, the first quarter of the year before we have to pay off on this uh, on this bet here. So a couple more events to, to try to make some ground up here. But again, I'm only one point behind. This ain't no wipeout by any means. You just got one <laughs> underdog that I was going to take. But we'll see how the rest of these uh, pan out here. 
For sure, man. So what we're going to do since the podcast is every other week at this stage, we do pick the uh, main event. And then again, one selected fight for the next two weeks since there is a gap there. Since you mentioned I took the lead with that all-important first pick, Locke, this week you get to go first. We got Johnny Walker, Jamal Hill for the main event this week. And then, of course, your other random selection. Go at it, man. Where are your where are your picks lying for the next two weeks? Hit me. So, uh, main event for this weekend, I got to go with Jamal Hill. Uh, I, I think he eventually snipes Johnny Walker at a certain point uh, in that fight. Obviously, Johnny Walker has tremendous knockout power of his own, uh, but he's been pretty much muzzled by John Kavanaugh ever since he's gone over there to SPG Ireland, uh, throwing a lot of kicks, waiting to eventually throw his punches, which just don't end up coming. He's just trying to gauge his range with his distance. But I do think that Jamal Hill, with that sniper-like ability, will be able to find that chin of Johnny Walker and put him down. So he's going to be my main event selection. In terms of my other main card fighter, it was a toss-up between my guy Parker Porter or... The guy that I'm actually going to go with here is going to be Kyle Dawkins. I'm not a big fan of Jamie da- uh, Jamie Pickett. I do think that Dawkins should be able to go out there and have some success in terms of cage work, uh, taking him to the ground, controlling him. I think his striking is getting better on a fight-to-fight basis. Jamie Pickett is definitely not as shitty as people make him out to be, but I still don't think he's the level of what Kyle Dawkins brings to the table here. So uh, no underdogs for me for this UFC Vegas 48 card, uh, but... Uh, I feel pretty good with those two favorites. Uh, and I will say this, I don't have a bet on either one of them. I haven't made any official bets for this weekend yet. There's a ton of chalk throughout the card and a ton of very uh, skeptical spots. And, uh, you know, with Jamal Hill up at minus 250, with Kyle Dawkins at around minus 260, minus 270, I just don't feel the most confident pulling the trigger on them officially. But for the sake of the deadlock tool, those are the two that I'm going to go with. So I'll let you, I'll let you pick your 48 uh the your your two spots for for this event and then you can kick off the the next event as well which is the Mahajev fight okay sounds like a plan lock so for this week i'm gonna be agreeing with you on jamal hill in the main event and folks the reason why we have that other random fight mixed in there is because for this exact reason we don't want to be matching picks on the big favorites week in and week out we want the opportunity to mix and match on the plays here uh, I know you mentioned this is a bit bare bones this week when it comes to underdogs, and I completely agree with you. But I'm going to piss everybody off, man, and I'm going to keep pushing that lead on this contest. Give me Alan Badeau as my next pick <laughs> for a fight. Give me another two-point underdog to come on through here and push that lead a little bit. And, Locke, it is a good thing. It is a good thing that you let me go before we moved on to the next week because – Fuck it, we'll do it live. Ariel Hawani just tweeted that next next week's Islam Makachev versus no! Neil Dariush fight is off. Dariush has injured his ankle and been forced to withdraw. <sighs> so you and I were kind of hemming and hawing that this was a slow news week and we didn't have much to talk about. Well, there you go, buddy. There's our headline right live here on the show. Fuck <laughs> is all I got to say because I literally just finished taping that fight and I was about to record the breakdown for it and release it for the masses. Thankfully, I didn't do a four-hour podcast. Ahead. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was I was going to record it before we did the show, but thankfully, I did not. God damn it! Ah, oh, I was yep. very much looking forward to that fight, man. I really was. Oh. That makes two of us, buddy. I wanted to see that one. I want to see Benny get his, you know, a real shot, a real crack at a fighter that you know, and Islam Makachev, the you know. God forbid anybody thinks he's going to lose. He's Khabib's son coming up here and taking over like that. That was going to be one heck of an interesting fight. So bummer that it is off. You got to think 
there's no way anybody's dumb enough to fill in on short notice against Islam Makachev, is there? Apparently, Dan Hooker was. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's if you fair. Remember that shit. Um, I don't know. Uh, I see a couple man, guys that, in the that comments. That man section. took the paycheck and yeah. laughed his way to of the course. bank. So he got in there and said, <laughs> "Give <I'm>, me them." <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'll give up my arm for a couple hundred thousand or whatever the hell he got paid. Um, yeah, shout out to some of the guys in the comment section saying that uh, Bobby Green uh, could step in here. Very oh. bad stylistic matchup for him. I wouldn't mind it. Obviously, it would halt the the momentum that he's cur currently been building up. But uh, yeah, who, who's going to take this fight? We still have enough time, right? We have a solid 10 days before the actual fight goes down. So I'm sure we'll see somebody step in here. For the sake of the deadlock duel, I think we should hold off on making our uh, UFC Vegas 49 picks. Let's wait until they actually have a main event and we can tweet it out. So for anybody that wants to follow along with the deadlock duel, just keep your eyes peeled on the DLP Twitter page. And as soon as we get, you know, maybe after this weekend's card, we'll tweet out what our selections are for uh, next week's card. But yeah, we'll, we'll just leave it at the UFC Vegas 48 for this week. I think that's a fair way to approach it, man. We've got the DLP Twitter for a reason. We can let the people know what our picks are at a later date once they kind of settle that card down. And I'm sure that card is going to kind of mix and match around a little bit as well. So that main card may change up and give us some other some other fights that we need to pick from as well. So let's go ahead and do that. I think that's a good solution. Could, could you imagine Bobby Green stepping in and pulling off a Macedal? Bro, notice, just fucking does his own me. double knee or something like that and just skyrockets and skyrockets into stardom once again. God so damn, the only problem is that Bobby Green is a decision fighter. He doesn't yeah, have the Masvidal flying knee. So he legitimately has to beat the guy's face off for a full 15 minutes. But Bobby Green's got one hell of a stand-up game, Locke. Like, I wouldn't be shocked. And today, I actually, I looked up Bobby Green's Twitter, of course, when all the Conor McGregor shenanigans were going down. You might be onto something because he did post on his story. I don't even know why they call me anymore. You know I'm saying yes. Send it. Bobby Green might be our main event slot next week, folks. Legitimately. Wait, he just tweeted that? He posted it on his Instagram story. Said, you know Ooh. I'm saying yes. Don't even call. Send it. Ooh. Bobby Green may be our main event next week. Could you imagine? That would. Bro, give it to me. I mean, I, I love it. I love it. Because if Bobby Green can defend the submissions for the first couple of rounds, like he's the type of guy with the kind of pace that comes on late. He's got good takedown defense, the good get-up game. Uh, I mean, uh, I've bet against Islam Makachev once, and I said I wouldn't do it again, but shit, dude. Like a motivated <laughs> Bobby Green who's riding hot and confident. Ah, you could talk me into it. Uh, trust me, I am just as much of a Bobby Green fan as you are, but short notice – Against Islamachev, not a good look. You That's need not a good recipe. Three months of living, eating, shitting, breathing on a wrestling mat before you decide to take this Islamachev fight. It would be a horrible stylistic matchup for him. But for the story and the lore of Bobby Green, fuck it. Give it to me. That's right. <laughs> the mystique of Bobby Green. Because, I mean, he already called out Connor. Can you imagine if uh, he somehow manages to pull that upset off and then calls out Connor after that? Like, he's knocking on the door of a title shot, bro. Like, that Jesus. would be... Uh, that would be something. And I know the, the, the chat getting all over me. I just love Bobby Green, folks. I'm not actually saying I think he's going to pull it off. He'd be like a plus 700 underdog. Hey, like, come if on. You, if you ever need an underdog talked up, look at my man over here because Clint will definitely help you out for sure. It's on my uh, resume. 
All right, all right. That's that's a wrap on the Deadlock Podcast. So once again, I'm going to go with Hale and uh, Dacus. You're going to go with Baudo, and you're going with Hill as well? Is that correct? I'm going with Hill as well. But just to go. correct you there a little bit, Locke, that is not a wrap on the Deadlock Podcast. We still got a oh, little Deadlock bit to do. Duel. That's the Deadlock Duel. Yes, that's <laughs> what it is. I apologize. That was a wrap on the Deadlock Duel. Let's get you're into the, the last. Let's get into the last segment of the show. Let's get deep. Let's get deep. I'm still trying to come down from this news of Islam Mahachev fucking <laughs> or Benny Darius pulling off. I don't know if I can even answer this next question that we got, but I'm gonna I'm gonna shuffle up the cards right here and let's pull out. Oh, th- this one's too easy. This one's too easy. I'll ask it to you just so we can get it out of the way, but I'm gonna give you a different one. Uh, sports or reality TV. Oh God, dude, that's so easy. Exactly, sports. Right? Exactly, I mean, obviously exactly. sports. Like, exactly. I've I've watched so much trash TV. Okay, yeah. so story time. I, we have a thing in this house called Trash TV Thursday. <laughs> My wife and her best friend hang out, and I have seen far more seasons of The Bachelor than I care to admit as a straight male. And that's what we do. She comes over and hangs out on Thursdays and I have no control over what flips on that TV, but it's mandatory that I hang out in the living room. So (laughs) there's been plenty of reality TV that I have uh, seen and have opinions on because I've been forced to watch it. (laughs) I think outside of the ultimate fighter, the only reality TV I've ever watched was way back in the day with Jersey shore. That's the only shit that I used to watch back in the day. And that was college time. All my college roommates were all into it. So I'm like, fuck it. I won't be that odd bozo that's out of it. I'll watch it as well. So let's get an actual question here. And I like this one. I'm looking forward to hearing what your uh, answer is. We got, uh, would you rather be able to fly or be invisible and why? I'll be completely honest with you, Locke. My answer to that question has changed with time. I'm an old man now. I'm very seasoned and I'm far more mature. Give me the ability to fly. I'm lazy. <laughs> I want to <laughs> I want to be able to sail somewhere like skipping over all the traffic and all the roads, you know, I want to run to the corner store or head, head over to Taco Bell real quick. Like it takes me 5 minutes to get there and back cuz I can just float over some shit. Yeah, I, I'm all about the flying, man. I have zero need to be invisible. <laughs> I, I I'm right there with you, dude. Uh, I don't need to be invisible. Yeah, you know? I mean like I'm good just Hanging out in the background myself, I can be invisible even without being invisible. I'm fine with that. Right. But flying, I am right there with you, man. If I if they give me the ability to fly and not die with the rising temperatures, if you go higher up in, into the sky, and I can just fly over the Atlantic Ocean or the Pacific Ocean and go to different continents and shit, that would be dope. But even if I'm just flying to my boy's house and I get to cut past traffic and all that, I'm cool with that as well. Yeah, give me flying any day over being invisible. I don't know anybody. I, I see my guy Gunny in the co- uh, in, in the comment section saying he'd rather be invisible and he's saying I'm robbing banks every day. <laughs> you can rob banks while flying too. Who's going to catch you while flying? Helicopters, hopefully you if you're down fast there. enough. <laughs> True. <laughs> Hopefully they uh, bless you with the ability to fly quickly so hey. you can get out of the way of shots. Where where are my nerds at? If anybody <laughs> in here is watching any you know shows, anime, stuff like that, My Hero Academia, who is the most useless hero on the roster? It's the invisible girl. Like You can't do anything with invisibility. You're not faster. You're not stronger. People just can't see you. The only thing I could do being invisible would be to duck house chores from my wife when she comes <laughs> looking for me to take the trash. 
lash out. It does nothing for me, Locke. Nothing. Shout, shout out to Jimmy the Drunk saying the invisible people are just perverts. Pretty much. That's the only upside. Like, sure, you could rob the bank, but everyone's going to see the bag of cash down the street. Like, yeah, exactly. It's not like the invisibility cloak with Harry Potter where you just stuff shit under it and you can just walk around. I, I know I'm flexing my nerd muscles here right now, but just bear it. with me, guys. Um, but yeah, invisibility. What house, what house yeah. Locke? Which one would oh, you be I, in? Uh, apparently, according to my wife, I'd be a Hufflepuff. That that, that makes sense. Know. I can see it. <laughs> <laughs> my wife is deep into the Harry Potter realm. So, uh, yeah, I, I'll accept whatever she says uh, in terms of me being a Hufflepuff. Sure, I'll be a Hufflepuff. <laughs> that's fine with me. But, yeah, that, that's wrap on. Let's get deep. I thought that was a good question for us to, to answer and even get the comment section involved as well. And we got some bonus questions and answers thrown in there, too. So that was a definitely a good one. Locke, it's time to wrap up the show, even though they probably already know. Let the people know where they can find you and what you got going on. Yeah, right here for all my content at uh, MMALOTN on uh, Twitter and Instagram. I've changed most of my stuff over to Mad Preak Jazz now. Even my YouTube channel has actually switched to my full name. So if you guys want to search for anything, it's right there. Um yeah, uh, Coach's Main Event Marathon starts filming this week again for UFC 272. Uh, they're going to start giving me their breakdowns for Colby Covington versus Jorge Masvidal, as well as another main card fight uh, for that pay-per-view. Uh, tomorrow, propping you up, noon Eastern with my guy, John Stargarian, right here on this channel. Make sure you guys tune in for that. I'm also going to be on the Magic and Andrew show. Uh, I believe that's going to be 7 p.m. Eastern tomorrow as well. Love those Good guys. Luck. Uh, <laughs> I love I love chopping it up with them. I had the 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 honor of being on the first ever appearance that Magic had in terms of coming on a podcast, showing his face and talking uh, way back in the day on the Club and Sub podcast. So it's kind of full circle of being able to come back onto a show. And then obviously Andrew, love that guy. Uh, obviously did a show with him a couple weeks ago as well. So make sure you guys tune in for that. Uh, and lastly, Friday, uh, two things on Friday. Uh, Ultimate Wayne Show with my guy Brandon Olivas. Uh, he's going to be hopping on with me, and we're going to be breaking down this card one last time with you guys. No set time on that yet. We'll let you guys know as soon as possible. And then, lastly, the new thing that I've been doing over the last couple of weeks Instagram Live, 7 p.m. Eastern, the day before the fights. I talk to you guys. You guys no longer hide behind your keyboards. You guys hop onto IG Live with me face to face. Tell me what your favorite bet is for the upcoming card, and I try to cycle through as many of you guys as I can within an hour. I've loved it so far. I've done it twice already. Can't wait to do it for a third time. And hopefully you guys can swing by. Clint, what do you got? And then you can bring us on out of here. I love it, man. I love all the content. Hardworking man over here. So uh, my podcast is Mondays. So you can go check that out at Pub Sports Radio. I had Dan Levy from Half the Battle on my show this week. Good episode, fun episode. Uh, I do the total takedown where I go back over the card from a totals perspective, overs and unders. That usually comes out on Thursday, so look out for that tomorrow. And then, of course, the Friday undefeated post-weigh-in show, which is the uh, best show, in my opinion, that I pull off each week, except last week it was the defeated, undefeated <laughs> <laughs> post-weigh-in show because I got my ass whooped. But that's where you can find me, everything over at Pub Sports Radio. Of course, at Diehard MMA Pod. I'm on Twitter, Instagram. Pretty much everywhere you can look. I am pumped for the next couple of weeks where the fights lock, and I can't wait. Next time you see these gorgeous faces, we are going to be on our new home channel over on YouTube. Everybody come play Fighter Stonks with us on Prediction Strike. Use that promo code LOCK to get there. And you know what, everybody? I just hope you have a wonderful week. You know what? I usually have a fun 
catchy little sign off for you last week. I told you to go kick somebody in the shin. I don't got anything for you this week. Be a good human being. Don't be mean to people. Be nice on the internet for once. Believe it or not, we could do that. Take the high road. Somebody's got to do it. Have fun. We'll catch you guys in a couple weeks.